Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover the personal journeys behind their work. Explore options from indie to traditional publishing and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. And today, my guest is in Atlanta, Georgia, Mary Bob Straub. Mary Bob was living the American dream until she wasn't. She describes herself as having an insatiable curiosity. And we all know that curiosity killed the cat. And it certainly led Mary Bob on a challenging and at times heart-wrenching, but ultimately fulfilling journey to find herself and to understand her own choices and those of her loved ones. And do you ever think life might be calling you in a different direction? Well, then you're going to enjoy meeting Mary Bob. I'm just going to bring her up to join us and welcome her to Let's Get Writing. Hi, Mary Bob. How are you? Hi, Catherine. I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I guess it's a lot warmer down there where you are <laughs> than where I am. Supposed to be like 83 or 85 today so yes it is warm today in atlanta oh stop <laughs> sorry i don't want to hear it i really don't i'm just going to center myself up here a little better yeah but um my plan was actually to go south for a period of time this year and anyway something called covid 19 got in the way of that uh, mm. yes and in the way of a lot of things in our lives. But fortunately, we're finding new ways to do things, such as bringing this show online. And I get to interview people like you who are not in my neighborhood. Absolutely. So, Mary Bob, your book is um, called Someone Else's Shoes, Walking the Muddy Path Towards Personal Sovereignty. That's a long title. <laughs> And I think we should certainly start by asking you to just explain what that is and, um, you know, tell us a little bit about why you wrote that book. Well, the, um, the title and the subtitle are kind of are lengthy, I have to admit. I will explain eventually, you know, where I got the title. And it came mostly from my father, who was a the most kind-hearted man I have ever had the experience of knowing. And then the muddy path towards personal sovereignty, that personal sovereignty phrase kind of uh, landed on me. It was suggested by by the one of the editors of the book. And as soon as I, it, I was just absolutely in love with it. And I felt it fit. Um, it just fit for a number of reasons because my whole premise is that if we bother to take the time to figure out what it is that we actually believe and what we actually know to be true for us, then, then we are able to be our own guide and we don't fall prey to the, um, to the influences and the arguments of people who would like to tell us otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, as I, as I got into your book um, and you're telling this journey personally about your life and what you went through, 
um, to kind of reach the point where you felt you had achieved that sovereignty. It was very engaging. It really was. It was something <laughs> that I just kept turning the pages and actually the e-pages. I was on the e-book. I didn't have the lovely copy in my hands, but I think you have one there that you can show us. I do. I'll be happy to show you. It looks like this. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. And um, so how, how did it begin? Because as I read the book, I thought, wow, this is this really got me thinking is certain types of books get you thinking. And it, it got me thinking a lot about, well, what are decisions I make? And, you know, how are they true to me? And as I read your story and watched your evolution, I was like, wow, <laughs> how, how did you get going? How, you know, how did you tackle this? It was a big thing to do. It, well, you know, it was kind of interesting, Catherine, because I, um, when I, it will say, you'll read in the book that, and you have read in the book that I made a decision that pretty well rocked everybody's world, including mine. And when I made that, the response that I received from the people around me so astounded me that I really quite know what to do with myself. So then that cascaded into some other decisions. And after a few years of introspection and, you know, trying to figure out how to emotionally and spiritually and mentally um, wrap my arms around what had happened, one day I was sitting on the back porch, which is my favorite place to sit. And I would show that to you if I were not inside. Um, I was sitting on my back porch and it suddenly occurred to me that in all of my mental meanderings and in all of my introspection and my study, I hadn't ever considered really how it must have looked to stand on the outside and watch me do what I did. And all of a sudden I was like, someone else's shoes. It's not just my shoes. It's their, what did that, what was that? And, and I have heard before that, um, for example, when people are really reaching for success or reaching for something greater than what they have, that the people around them will become very uneasy because it kind of, um, it, 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 uh, it rattles the status quo and it makes them feel uh, like maybe they're not doing what they need to be doing or that, you know, this person is going to be rise above them. Or I understood in that moment how rattling, I mean, I knew obviously from their reaction, but it was, it was more than that. It was a deeper, how do we respond to someone who has been this, this person in our lives? And now she is deciding to be this person. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that, um, you know, when you say through someone else's eyes and you mentioned how it makes people feel, uh Oh, what's she doing? And what does my life look like? And we call that the crab theory. We're all crabs in a bucket. And if one of the crabs decides to, to crawl out, then all the other crabs are, you don't have to worry about putting a cover on it because they all pull that adventurous crab back down mm -hmm. to fit in line with what they're doing in the bucket. And basically yes. that seems to be what we do as people. We, we, we don't sometimes want to see other people thrive and get ahead because we're looking at it from our own point of view and we want to hold them back where we are. Yes. Yeah. 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 True. Crazy. And is, is definitely as a human, as human beings, it's not one of our greatest attributes or, or features to be like that. I think it's, we want to find the joy 
that we can share the experiences of other people, share in the joy, share the love. And I think you, you, you comment on that quite a bit, that you found the way to love, um, to not judge. And uh, I want to throw that back to you now to comment, because I know you have a lot to say. So uh, first of all, and I always want to do this disclaimer, like I am not the queen of, non of non-judgment. You know, I am, I am still very much human. Uh, what I think Oops. What I think I've gotten better at is I think it's I think it's kind of a natural human reaction to see something other than what I have and to form an opinion. Either it's discernment or it's judgment. But one way or the other, there's a feeling there that, uh, you know, I don't like what they're doing or I they have more than I do or something. I think the skill that I've that I am continuing to improve is to recognize when I'm having that feeling or that thought and to cut it off, you know, to say, okay, it's first, I got to, first I have to be aware that I'm, that I'm even doing it in my head. And then to say to myself, all right, well, that's, that's just not productive. I mean, it, the comparison game is always a losing game, whether you're on the top or you're on the bottom. So um, I think, I believe that what I've done and hopefully I give some ideas to the reader about how to become more aware of myself or the, the reader becomes more aware of him or herself and then, and then recognize when we've jumped that fence and gone down, you know, I say my, my deadly word is the word should. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if someone, if I hear myself saying, either and it can go inwardly as well i mean i can be i can be very gracious to the people around me and then sometimes i'm not so gracious to myself and so when i say to myself as well as anyone else even in my head i should have or i should do or you should have or he should do then the minute that word comes to my mind i know i've gone there and so then i have to take a couple steps back and say okay this is my path. My, this is my life. This is my path. And I've spent a lot of time figuring out what works for me. Do I want more? Yes. Do I know it's always changing? Yes. Am I open for further evolution? And the COVID thing has given me a lot of opportunity for that. Um, <laughs> then yes. And the minute I hear myself say should direct it in any direction at all, then I know I've, I've got to, I've got to stop. Mm -hmm. We we should ourselves to death sometimes, you know, and you just the energy of that word, you feel your own energy go down. Yes. And sometimes I find when I'm writing a an email or a message to my kids, the old should slips in there. And I go back, I, I look at it and I go, no, 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 this is really, they should not do anything. They are their own people. And you should keep your nose out of it. I have this little conversation. You, There's a use of a word should that I can handle a little. But then I go back and I go, you could do this. Mm -hmm. You could do this or you may, may not yes. want to. So even just um, those subtle uses of words. There was a, a lady, um, Sam Horn, and she called it Tung Fu. <laughs> And that we were hung by the tongue and we should be conscious sometimes of how we talk to ourselves and yes. what we say. And I think you do bring that up quite a bit in the book. Yeah. Quite a bit. 
try. I try. I hope, you know, I, my, my hope is that with the words in the book, people will find themselves with some sense of relief, knowing that they may be believing something that other, that they haven't been brought up to believe and that it's okay. As long as, as long as it's not a, as long as it's theirs, let's put it that way. And they've, and they've bothered to um, take the time to decide if it's theirs or if it's something that they've been gifted in quotation marks with. <laughs> well, you, in your personal experience, there were a lot of things you left behind and very painful things that you left behind your family, um, friends. It, it was, it was huge. And you basically started over and, you know, how did you, how did you approach putting that into your book? I mean, you, you did it beautifully, but was it hard to write or what helped you as you wrote that? Um, I, when I first, I've been writing all my life in one form or another, you know, I, I've journaled a lot. And sometimes during that period, my, the, the handwriting in my journals are, is about like this, you know, I'm, I'm like screaming in the, into the journal. Um, and then when I decided to write it, I, I did, I don't know how many drafts of it. I couldn't quite get a, I, I was struggling to get a frame around it so that it didn't just sound like the victim, you know, how did you, how could you have done this to me? And it, and the, uh, feel sorry for myself and look what I've learned. And you don't, you know, I, I was really wrestling with how to, how to, um, lay it out so that it was productive and it was helpful. And it wasn't just, um, hang, as I said, hanging out my, my dirty laundry and, um, the publisher of the book really did help me quite a bit. Um, Lynn Kitchen is, is one of the publishers of the book. And I called her on the phone one day and I said, okay, I've, you know, I've gotten the manuscript written. And when I read it, part of me just wants to run. And I said, I just don't want to be hanging through laundry. And she said, she said, what I would do is I would take it up 60,000 feet, look down and write it from that perspective. And when you're looking at it from that perspective, you're not seeing all of the, all of the, you know, all of the details. You're just seeing what the takeaways are. And I did that and it was remarkably helpful. It really did. It made all the difference in the world. Great advice when you're writing something so personal. Really great advice. And, and uh, actually, Jared Rosen was on the show earlier, and 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 it's Dream Sculpt uh, Media as the publisher, and we should mention that because I have yet to meet Lynn. I hope that I do get to meet her as well. But um, just speaking with you and Jared and one of the other people who published with them, um, they're really mining good stuff. They're really bringing out the best of these stories and and it's nice but that word stuff okay my first year in university <laughs> my english prof goes stuff mm -hmm. if i hear that word again from you people stuff what stuff but your stuff all that it was was out there and i think anyone writing we feel vulnerable when we put our work out there for people to critique and so i mean how did you feel how did you how were you vulnerable <laughs> Was I vulnerable? So, <laughs> I was so nervous because I, um, well, first of all, I live in Atlanta. So, um, you know, we are in the Bible Belt and I, part of my evolution was to go, go through a period that I call 
an allergic reaction to Christianity and Catholicism and all that I had known as a young girl. And so I really, I had to tell that piece in order to tell the end of it. I needed to show the passage of it. And I was terrifically concerned that people would just, just judge me and think that I was, you know, that I was just this crazy woman who had just stepped off the edge of the planet. And um, the, I was so fearful of the judgment that I, and I was talking about non-judgment, but I, I found myself in a, in a terrifically fearful place. It probably took me, um, I ran the manuscript through a couple of uh, people at work before I published it. And, you know, some eyebrows were raised. And then after it was published, I have to say the people in, in the company I work with and, the, and my friends and family have been so understanding. And I, I hopefully um, showed that you can, I can, that I came out of that, that allergy with my own set of beliefs. And although they may not match up with what the people surrounding me do believe, hopefully we, and, and it has proven true that we've had some great conversations. I never could have predicted the conversations that we have had as a result of this book about things that really matter about, you know, about our beliefs and our position and the open dialogue, which is one of my dreams is that people who, who are diametrically opposed in whatever um, political situation, religious belief, philosophy, that they can sit across from the table and be genuinely curious without being, without feeling the need to be forceful and imposing, can just listen and just, just like, you know, cock their head a little bit and understand that the other person can see it that way without needing to um, slam it or, you know, kick it to the curb. Mm -hmm. And I think it was that curiosity of yours that, you know, brought you to the questioning. And I think many people do question, but when you do live in certain areas, and it, it's very conservative here where, where uh, we live, um, you know, you're reluctant to speak out sometimes or to say, why is it this way? Or why do I feel this way? And it's not always going to be supported, but at least if there's a dialogue with it, and you found that there is, that um, that opens everybody's mind. It does. And especially now with what we're going through, I think people, it, you know, with their isolation and some of that time to sit and think, no doubt they wonder what kind of a world do we live in? What are those bigger questions? And, um, you know, they're not easy to answer, but your book is a wonderful book to offer that dialogue. Um, it'd be great for a book club even to, I think, and when we first started, there were all these things that popped up that we identified with, and including the fact that our mothers were 39 years old when when we entered this world. Yeah. And that made a different upbringing um, than, than having kind of a young mother. And even back in that time, you know, it was so different. Um, I know there are many books that inspired you on the journey. And so what are some of your favorite books that you also might recommend to people? 
Well, I have in the back of the book, I list some of the books that I that influenced me in it. And uh, I'm rereading one of them right now. As a matter of fact, one of the authors, the very first author that caught my attention was Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember, of course, this was 1996 or something like that. And so I was sitting in the car listening to a cassette tape. Don't tell me. <laughs> no <laughs> Bluetooth. <laughs> it was not on my Bluetooth. Um, I was listening to a cassette tape and he was talking about things that were so far beyond what I had been, um, what I had been given as a child, as a belief system. And so he's the first one I was listening to the seven laws, the seven spiritual laws of success at that point. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to Neil Donald Walsh, who was fascinating to me because he's a little irreverent and he's humorous. And yet he has some things to say that I just identified with. And so um, right now I'm rereading his book. Um, what is it called? Something about coming home, I think is his is his latest or not his latest, but it was one of those series. He wrote that series conversations with God. Mm -hmm. Then I think the one that really rocked my world where I really had a visceral response to it was Dr. Brian Weiss. Um, he was the chief of psychiatry at Mount Sinai in, in Miami. And um, he wrote a book entitled many lives, many masters. And that book discuss the possibility of our having other lives other than the ones we are focused on right now. And I really had to read a few pages of that and put it down and walk around and come back because I, I, I was just beyond freaked out by the fact that he was saying these things and he was such a highly educated and highly respected physician, psychiatrist. And so those would probably be my, my top three. And there are a lot of others. There are a lot of others in there. Yeah, I was looking down the list of your books going, okay, read that, read that. <laughs> I have not read Dr. Brian Weiss, so I am definitely going to check that one out. But I think, I don't know how to title these. They're, they get you thinking they're a bit metaphysical, they're a bit spiritual, they're a bit of just challenging your mind to think outside the box, to delve into yourself and have a look, they, they do all those things. And I think any of us who are looking for a certain type of fulfillment in our lives or spirituality and to find where our comfort is, we gravitate to these authors. And, and you know, it's amazing. I think Hay House and Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. Yes. A phenomenal book exploring mm -hmm. the relationship between disease and our emotions. Yes. And that's come up a lot. Um, that'd be a great topic for another show. That has come up. I carry that one in my in my purse, the pocketbook. Yeah, I have I have that book as well. And it's an absolutely beautiful book. But when you you know, okay, so I feel this way today, and you look it up in the book, and you and you and you read the connection, the emotional connection, and it's like, no. I don't know about that. You know, you want to just say, this is ridiculous. No, that's not what's causing me to feel like this. But I've learned a lot about the impact of emotions. And if anyone follows the works of Abraham, um, um, Esther and Jerry Hicks, again, it's an emotional level that we begin to peel back the onion. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I, um, I think the recognition that that is the scientific recognition 
you and I um, also spoke about Dr. Bruce Lipton. Mm -hmm. I love, I love his work. Oh, me too. And I, and if, I think when we reach the tipping point where, where we all realize that what we're thinking causes our emotions and what our emotions are determines a lot of what happens in our life. Um, I think we will have made big progress. I also think that it's important to maintain for me personally, my sense of humor about it. So I, um, I try, I tried in the book to tell, you know, some tender stories and some funny stories because I think it can all get, if I'm, if I'm listening and I haven't read a book such as mine, it could sound a little bit, you know, like, like, Oh Lord, do I want to get bogged down in that? I think that it's important that I keep it for me personally, that I keep it a little bit lighter, you know, that it's, that it's serious. It's very serious. I mean, it's life changing. And at the same time, give it a little bit of an angle that, um, that keeps you smiling occasionally. So you don't forget that there is joy in this whole process. That's the whole point. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I think you, I think you accomplished that very nicely. Oh, uh, I didn't find it hard to read at all. And, and I liked a lot of the references that you had and I thought, Oh, so I'm not the only one who feels like that. I had those aha moments. So that's comforting to the reader too. And I think you did that quite beautifully. Um, I was reading your blogs. You have um, great blogs and I know you put a lot of work into them. They're well-written and very intriguing. And one of the comments in your blogs, uh, you mentioned social media and how that has accelerated things. And do we even have form our own opinions anymore and what do we hold back so before we wrap up we're getting close to the end of the time and i surely could talk to you forever do you want to just talk about that a little bit um where you see social media fitting into people's lives i do i um i am not anti-social media by any stretch of the imagination i do I'm so grateful for example without social media you and i would not be having this conversation so I, it's another one of those things where I can, I can choose to, to have a very negative approach on social media. I just don't. I think in a lot of ways, it's very helpful. And I do think it helps keep us connected. I've done a number you know, we've had um, Zoom dinner parties because we can't get together. So that has helped keep a lot of us connected. The, uh, the flip side of it, though, I think we have to be cognizant of is that we let it determine our value where I think it gets a little sticky because, you know, most people don't put on social media, all the, the icky stuff that's happening to them or something that they feel uneasy about because that compare and contrast thing still is alive and well. And I think that's where it can be hurtful. I also think it can be hurtful um, and hurtful to the person reading, not just hurtful to the object of the, of the post is when we get fixated on the drama of the drama. And I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but you know, we get a little bit of a charge out of watching something, um, someone suffer. We get a little bit of a charge out of some horrible situation like COVID. It's almost like being addicted to CNN. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. I, I just, we, my husband and I stopped watching the news years ago for that very reason, because we could feel the pull of wanting to know all the 
bad stuff that's happening. And we just determined it wasn't necessary without social media. I wouldn't know all those things. And I really don't think I do need to know all of them. Some of them, yes, for my personal health or, you know, to keep people safe. But I just think we've, we've gone too far. Mm. I hear you. I turned the news off a long time ago too. And I haven't watched very much of it through this. I haven't even been that active on social media other than to do these wonderful connections and conversations on let's get writing. And I just want to thank you so much. I hope we've, uh, piqued interest in your book, uh, marybobstraub.com. The book is on Amazon. It's on uh, Dream Sculpt Media. There's many ways to get it. Yes. And um, yeah, so thank you for writing it and thank you for sharing that with me. Yep, it's been a joy, Catherine. Thank you. We'll talk again. Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I trust we will definitely. Have a wonderful day in Atlanta and uh, we'll be in touch again very soon. Same to you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. If you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.